Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Wonderful to see you. Uh, it's a great thrill to be here. It's always a great joy uh, to be in the Wide Bay region and to be in Harvey Bay. And uh, thank you so much, uh, Ross and Mary Lynn, for inviting me to come and speak at this. So, so it really is a great honour. It's always a great honour to speak to ministers. And um, I know that um, it was a few years ago, actually, Ross was, I was talking to Ross once and he said, you know, I want to do a, he goes, I keep having pastors ask me, you know, how do you have gifts of the Spirit in a service? And he said, I think I just want to do a conference about it. And so, and so when I heard that I was doing that last year, I thought that was really awesome. And then, then when he asked me to come and uh, share at it this year, I was just blown away. So thank you so much uh, for inviting me to come along. got so many great friends uh, in this region and uh, feel like I'm with family. So it's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, we don't have that long. I guess you've set aside a couple of days uh, to come and uh, come to this conference. But it's incredible what God can do in that time. Uh, it's incredible what God can do in one day. Uh, you know, the Bible says better is one day in his courts than a thousand anywhere. Uh, you know what that means? It uh, means he can undo three years worth of damage in one day. Uh, means he can fill you with a few years worth of vision in one day. It's incredible what he can do. So you've set aside this time. It's not long, but just trusting God's going to do something awesome. Amen. Uh, before I share tonight, I uh, just want to let you know about a couple of um, a couple of items I have with me, uh, wherever I travel, I always take some, resource, some of my resource with me and got a couple of items here. I've got a CD series here uh, about overcoming. Uh, three messages there, because uh, who knows, as a Christian and as a leader, there are, we have to overcome stuff. Uh, and so I've got a couple of messages there. One's called Get Over It. Uh, another one's called uh, Getting Through a Valley. Uh, and the other one, uh, another one is a testimony, our testimony, me and my wife and my family, the Brisbane floods of 2011. Uh, our house got flooded in the Brisbane floods of 2011, got a double-storey house by the banks of the Brisbane River, and second week of January, the river rose to the point, went a metre and a half through the second storey of our house. Uh, then the very next day, uh, the Bible college that I was running at the time uh, in the Brisbane suburb of New Farm, uh, by the banks of the Brisbane River, uh, had a metre of water go through that. And so just talk about uh, the lessons that we learned. Uh, at that time. Uh, also, too, uh, got a book that I was asked to be a contributor to. Uh, it's called Triumph Through Tough Times. Uh, and so uh, myself, uh, there's Pastor Wayne Elkhorn, uh, Pastor Mari Cartledge, uh, Michael Murphy, uh, Ian Woods, a number of others, uh, and myself. Uh, we contributed a chapter in this, and we all talk about how God got us through a tough time in our ministry. So if you're interested, feel free to check that out. Uh, and also, uh, a book that... Now, normally, whenever I take something with me, I've actually had something to do with it. Uh, but the, I read a book uh, a couple of months ago, which really really inspired me. Uh, and it's the biography of uh, Pastor Andrew Evans, uh, former leader of our movement and um, founder of Family First Party in Australia, senior pastor of what is now Influencers Church and father of Russell Evans and, and Ashley Evans, who are doing incredible things for God. Uh, my dear friend Denise Austin actually wrote the biography about... Uh, his life, and she's given me permission uh, to sell it. And really, it was just a, it's he talks about the 12 leadership principles that he has uh, for success in ministry, coupled with stories from his own life. And so, I found it incredibly inspiring, and so I think you would as well. Uh, and I've got um, and, 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 and a, a portion of the proceeds of this book actually go towards Alpha Cruces College in this, their establishment of a university. So, if you're interested, feel free to check uh, that out. 
Uh, let's pray. Father, I just thank you, and I just thank you for all these pastors here today, and I just ask and pray that you would help inspire and motivate and impart for every single one, Lord God, that we might go and be true ministers of the gospel to even a new dimension. I thank you, and I praise you for it, Lord. Uh, in Jesus' name, uh, amen. Uh, before I share, I just had a couple of words for people too, actually, and um, I had a word for Ian and Alison Henry as well, and, uh, and uh, you know, double for your trouble, and uh, the God, scripture God gave me is out of Ecclesiastes, uh, and so scripture says, cast your bread upon the waters, and after many days it will return to you, and I felt the Holy Spirit say that uh, a number of years ago, uh, you cast, you let go of some dreams that God had put in your heart, uh, and you let them go in obedience to God. But I've heard the Holy Spirit say that he is going to bring some of them back to you, that he's going to draw to you some of the things that you had let go in obedience. He's going to resurrect some old dead promises, and you're about to step into some things that you thought you would never see and never be able to do. You don't have to go and pursue them. You don't have to go and swim into the ocean and go and get them. He's going to bring them back upon the waters. You're not going to miss out, and your season for those things are actually about to come to pass. Father, I just thank you for them, and I just thank you for the new season that you're releasing, Lord God, that the seed that they sowed many days ago is going to start coming to pass. I thank you, and I praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Colin Ryan, and uh, Colin Ryan from Empower Church in Toowoomba, a good mate of mine. Uh, Col, I uh, felt the Holy Spirit say um, that scripture out of Psalm 23, verse 4, uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, we walk through it, uh, we don't walk to it. Uh, we walk through it, we don't go back through it. And I heard the Holy Spirit say that you've been through the valley. You don't have to fear, you're not going back into it. That the season of valley season that you have had in your ministry, uh, that you have come through, there's a part of your mind that says, oh look, I hope we don't go back to how it was. But the Holy Spirit say, you don't have to worry about it. You've been through it, you've passed the test, you don't have to look back over your shoulder. You'll continue to step into seasons of greater fruitfulness than you've ever experienced in your life. Don't look back, keep looking forward, because you've been through that valley, you're not going back to that ever again. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for Kyle, and I just thank you, Lord, for the new season that they're stepping into. I thank you for the faithfulness that they've had, and I thank you, Lord, they're stepping into greater seasons than ever before. I thank you and praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, back in uh, 1999, I was at Bible College uh, at Southern Cross College in Sydney, which is now Alpha Crucis College, and I went to see my college president uh, in about November of 99, a man by the name of Dr. David Cartledge. And I went to see him because we had to ask, well, notify him and let, him, let them know whenever we were going to marry someone. And so I was in love with a girl from North Queensland, uh, from Cairns, because who knows, uh, Queensland girls are the best. And, um, <clears throat> and I was going to talk to him uh, about the fact that I wanted to marry uh, this girl named Trish. As I walked into his office to talk to him, he said to me, he goes, hey, he goes, I was just thinking of you. And I always got a little bit nervous when he did that because you could tell he was just about to prophesy. And uh, he said, and he goes, I was just on the phone uh, with a pastor who used to be my youth pastor in Townsville. He's now a pastor in Mackay. Man's name is Pastor Rob Booth Jones. And he is looking for someone to be a youth pastor and a school chaplain in their ministry. And I just felt that you should be the person to do it. A stubborn, disobedient person that I am, I looked at him. I said, look, I have no desire 
to go to Queensland. I'm a Victorian. I want to go back to Melbourne, to the city. So thank you very much. But over the next few weeks, I couldn't shake it and couldn't let it go. And cut a long story short, we ended up going up to Mackay in North Queensland. Before we went there, uh, the intercessory group at the church were sending prophecies to me and my wife on a regular basis. And the prophecies that they were sending to us were incredible. They were saying, oh, Pastor Ben, when you come up here, there's going to be fire. There's going to be fire in this youth group. This youth group's going to be absolutely on fire. So I'm thinking that when I get there, we're going to have absolute revival. So I rock up, and on our first Friday night at youth, we had 22 people come, which was awesome because it made us the second biggest youth group in the city. But things didn't go too well. And so by the middle of the year, due to my incredible leadership and vision, the youth group grew down to six. Um, Not only that, my youth group had absolutely no passion for the things of God whatsoever. They had no desire. I found it impossible to get them to praise God. In fact, we were in this room that was really echoey. Whenever we would start doing some praise and worship, which was basically one kid on a guitar, the kids weren't interested in all. They would talk to each other and all we could hear is them talking. I actually had to make up a rule about basically that when the praise and worship was on, they could either sing or be quiet. But they had no, so most of the time they were basically quiet because they had no interest in the things of God. I remember one time we had a communion service and I'm trying to teach them the importance of communion, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm trying to make it contemporary and relevant for these young people. So what I did was, instead of using, um, you know, juice uh, for the blood, I actually used Coca-Cola. And instead of using bread for the body, we actually used hot cross buns. And I'm trying to teach them the importance of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so we're handing that out. Even before it got handed out to all the kids, I'm trying to have a serious moment and then some of the kids started a food fight in the middle of communion and then we had this big food fight in the middle of communion and I'm still getting all these prophecies from the intercessors oh pastor Ben there's going to be fire in the youth group this youth group's going to be on fire I remember thinking to myself we obviously haven't been they're as dead as a doorknob so here I am and my whole history up until that point this is my first ministry appointment but Before that, my whole deal was that I just loved the presence of God. I had had some of the most, uh, you know, the most incredible encounters with God you could ever imagine over the previous years. And here I am, I've got a bunch of festy kids who have no interest in the things of God. And my job as a leader is to try and turn them into a group that's on fire for God, that is passionate, passionate for Him. I didn't want just a play group, youth group, where kids come and played, had a little bit of a talk and went home. I wanted a youth group that they were on fire for God, that they could move in spiritual gifts, that the presence of God was present. That's what I wanted, but I started with something that was dead and nothing. But over that journey, I thank God that I actually started with that. Because over that journey, in the years since after that point, God showed me and taught me how we could create an atmosphere where, where the Spirit of God can move, even when you're starting with a group that's like that. So I want to talk to you tonight about principles that precipitate an encounter with God. Principles that will help, as leaders, that would help us facilitate an environment where people encounter God. You know, for the last six years I've been a full-time itinerant, but really I've been preaching away regularly for the last 12 And what happens is very often I will go and do camps or I will do conferences and that sort of thing and youth camps or church encounter retreats. And basically the whole deal is that they want me to come and everybody there have an encounter with God. Now that's a lot of pressure. 
especially when a lot they have not really prepared them very well in a lot of cases as well. And so I've had to learn how can I get them from a position where they're just dead and not interested or they don't know what to do to a point where every single one of them encounters God. The principles I'm about to share with you tonight are some of the key principles that have helped me. And I know that you would know many of these, but maybe this is a good refresher course for you to realize that when we implement all these principles, God will do something awesome in our midst with our people. That God wants to touch their hearts. He wants to have an encounter with the power and the presence of God. And he wants his spirit to move in that place. The first principle that helps us to precipitate an encounter with God is number one, preparation. Preparation. So what that means is this. If we want people to encounter God, we actually need to be prepared and we need to prepare them. One of the best ways to prepare people to receive an encounter with God is actually prayer. When I was a youth pastor in that very first year and I told you what my youth group was like, I would say, God, what do I do? How do we get these kids on fire for God? And all he did, to me, all he did was say to me, I want you to pray, I want you to pray. In Revelation chapter, he took me to a scripture in Revelation chapter 8. And Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 to 5, and essentially it tells the story, it basically says that there's an angel in heaven whose job is to collect the prayers of the saints. And what he does at one point is that when they get, what he does at one point is that then they goes up as incense before the Lord, and then God sends fire to earth. So basically what it's saying is this, that as we pray, eventually it's going to produce fire on earth. In Townsville, near, nearby Mackay at that time, I took my family, uh, sorry, I went up there with my wife and they have on the strand there like this uh, little water park and the, and the centrepiece of the water park was this thing which had this great big bucket on it and basically this bucket would get filled with water. I used to go and look at it, it was so funny because you see little kids standing underneath this bucket and they see the water filling the bucket and they're getting really excited and really, you know, waiting for it and then eventually that bucket would tip and it would slam them and slam the kids everywhere. It was really awesome. But God kind of showed me that if we keep on praying, eventually he's going to start sending fire onto our youth ministry. And so we just, oh, we were just praying. We would have a different, I, I organised it, and people would only go to no more than one prayer meeting, but we were having five prayer meetings a week. We were having prayer meetings in the schools. I was personally praying three hours a day, every day from six till seven, and then from eight till nine, and then from four to five, I would spend an hour in prayer, and I'm just praying, 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 praying. I remember every spare moment I had, I was just praying. I'd look at my youth group, and there's still no fire. And then we just kept praying, praying, praying. Eventually, we we took them to this conference on the Gold Coast called State Quake. It was a Youth Alive camp, and it was a horrendous trip on the way down. In fact, it was so they were so naughty. I just wanted to turn the bus around and go home. And when we got there, all these other kids were, um, all these other kids were, um, you know, at the first meeting, going up the front, jumping up and praising God. But my kids weren't interested in praising God, and they would just sit down the back. But as the other kids started jumping up and down praising God, my kids looked at it, and so they just started walking down the aisle towards the front. I thought they were going up there to muck around. As I was walking down the aisle, I looked at them, I said, hey, 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 don't muck around up there, all right? Those other kids are serious. And so they went up there 
and they started jumping up and down and praise, praising God. And so my kids started doing that. Then the slow song started coming on and the other kids started lifting their hands. Then my kids looked around and they just started lifting their hands. All of a sudden, the power and the presence of God came upon them. Some of them started shaking. Some of them started weeping. And for the first time in our youth ministry, we had some fire. That very same year, we started a youth conference called Extreme Youth Conference in Mackay, North Queensland. It's still going today, 16 years later. And it's known as a conference full of fire and the presence of God. And it all started with a dead little youth group. But all we did was we prayed and we prayed and we prepared and we prayed. I know myself that when I go and do a camp or a retreat, it's much easier to move in the power of the Holy Spirit if they've prayed beforehand. I recently did a camp and they were saying we'd been praying and we've been fasting before this camp. And when I went there, um, it was so much easier to move in the power and the presence of God. We need to prepare, build faith and expectation to believe that God's going to do something awesome. We need to prepare people for an encounter with God. The second thing uh, that helps facilitate, precipitate uh, uh, an encounter with God uh, is the presence of God. The presence of God. The best thing you can ever do if you want to see people encounter the presence, uh, encounter God is get his presence there. And that is his manifest presence. And the number one way we get his manifest presence is through praise and worship. We could even see tonight as the band was playing, the presence of God was in this place. Why was the presence of God in this place? Because every single one of us was praising and worshipping God. And the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. As I mentioned to you before, one of the great challenges I had with my youth ministry was to get them to praise God. And I remember one time I had one kid in my youth group and he was the kind of kid that didn't care what anyone thought, which was awesome. And he actually was a bit of a muso and he liked praising God. And so his name was Billy. And so I said to Billy one day at one of the small groups, I said, Billy, I need the kids to praise God. None of them praise God. I said, you like praising God, don't you, Billy? He goes, yeah, Pastor Ben, I love praising God. I said, listen, would you be my fire starter? He goes, what does that mean? I said, well, you know how no one else praises God? He goes, yeah, no one else praises God. I said, you know how you love praising God? Yeah, I love praising God. I said, Why don't, would, are you willing to praise God even if the other kids aren't? And he goes, yeah, I'll do it, Pastor Ben. I said, no worries. So the next week we had youth and he was on the front row and we had two rows for our youth group and a guy up the front on guitar. And he started playing. And as he started playing, all the kids were just looking around and they weren't interested. And then Billy was up the front and he just started clapping. And he just started singing. I saw the other kids looking at him going, what are you doing? But then after about two songs, because he just didn't give up, all of a sudden, all the other kids started praising and worshipping God. And then all of a sudden, the presence of God came into the place. And they started weeping and shaking. I remember even at the end of the meeting, we did some praise and worship. And there was this kid down the front who was sitting on his chair at the end of the meeting. All the other kids went out to play out in the quadrangle. And this kid was... You know, he was just sitting there at the front and he wasn't a Christian kid. And he's just sitting here like this. And we'd ended the meeting. So I go up to him and I poke him. And I said, are you all right, mate? And he goes, oh. I said, what's, I said, what's wrong? He goes, it's all over me. I said, what's all over you? He goes, I feel this thing all over me. I said, mate, that's the presence of God. He goes, it's freaking me out. <laughs> so he gets up. And he goes outside and he sits in a stairwell and the presence of God follows him. And is all over. And the kid wasn't saved. He was actually the next door neighbour of Billy. So that week Billy went over to his house and led the kid to Christ. There's so, isn't it amazing, pastors, how the devil always attacks the worship team? Why do you think he does that? 
because he knows if we get our people praising him, the presence of God comes and then God can move. Whenever I do a camp or a conference, uh, you know, like an encounter camp or an encounter conference, that sort of thing, often the first thing I do is just get people praising God. Because half the time they're just sitting there and they're not opening their mouths and they're kind of just looking at the band like it's a concert. But it's very hard for God to move in that environment. We need them to open their mouths, to open themselves up and start praising God. His manifest presence comes on the praise. The other week I was preaching at a church on the Gold Coast. It's called Surf City Church. And um, I was preaching at the night service there. And so we'd had a good day. I'd preached at a church in Brisbane in the morning. And I took my wife and my sons. We went to the beach in the afternoon. uh, And as you do, you're on the Gold Coast. And and then we went over to the church. And I was preaching there that night. And and we're standing on the front row. And my my boys often would go into the kids program and that sort of thing. But it was a night service there. They don't have a kids program. So so they're just, just sitting up the front. And they're kind of really fidgety and not really interested and that sort of thing. And, and so then the band started playing and, and it was kind of a little bit low-key, a bit more low-key than what I was used to And because uh, the church I'm based at, IC Church, is just like rocking. And so and it was just kind of like a pretty low-key kind of thing and, and, and I'm sitting there going, oh, you know, it's kind of a, it feels a little bit flat. And become the third song, I saw the presence of God come in the place because everyone was praising and worshipping and everyone was open to the presence of God. And, the pre- and I looked at my wife and I said, do you feel that? She goes, yeah. It's like the presence of God, the manifest presence of God, the presence that you can feel came into the place. Then I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, he said, tell Josh to close his eyes. Josh was my middle son and he was standing in front of me just looking around like this. So I said, hey, Josh, close your eyes. He closed his eyes and then he fell out in my lap. <laughs> and I'm holding him up on the front row. And I didn't want to lie him down because I didn't want to be a distraction. But when I went up to preach, I said to my wife, I said, here, could you hold him? And so then I had to go. What had happened? The presence of God touched him in the midst of, the presence, in the midst of all that praise and worship. Praise and worship is so important. When we get people praising and worshipping God, that's why excellence in praise and worship is important. It's not that God is more pleased with excellence, but what happens is if we keep missing notes, people get distracted and they look at us and they're not focusing on God. So that's why it's worth doing all those things properly because when we praise and worship God, His presence comes. The next thing uh, that will help facilitate an encounter with God is a process, a process. Um, I remember my last youth camp as a youth pastor in Mackay. It was an incredible, incredible move of God. Like the, it was just, it, we had some meetings at it. Like Now, there's some meetings you can do where you can just, you, don't, you can move in the Holy Spirit and you don't have to preach. Uh, but we had meetings where you couldn't preach. Because the, because the presence of God was moving so strongly. I was standing on the stage and looking at the kids and there were entire rows without anyone praying for them falling out under the presence of God. It was absolutely incredible. We had deliverances there. It was amazing. God was doing awesome things. But the problem is then that ruined me for other camps in the future. And so what ha- would happen is I'd be invited to go to a youth camp and the kids weren't interested and their leaders didn't know how to prepare them. And I, my, I'd be a little bit standoffish. I'd be like, oh, you know, you guys don't deserve it. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to do a stand-up comedy routine and just leave, you know. And eventually I remember I did one particular Baptist youth camp and the leader came up to me before my last session. She goes, you, you going to pray for the kids or anything? And, I was, and those kids were so not interested. I thought... I, don't, I thought, well, they're not even, they may not, may not receive anything. And then I realized she wanted me to pray for them. 
And so I prayed for them. And then afterwards, God was touching them. And she said to me, she said, that's what I was actually looking for. And I realized that these people that were getting me to do camps, they were wanting to be able to have everybody receive an encounter with God. And I realized that it was kind of my job to help them along in a process. Because some of the churches that I do encounter retreats for and that sort of thing, they don't see gifts of the Spirit in a service. They don't have that model to them. So they don't understand what's going on. So what happened was God showed me how to take a group of people in a camp and by the end of it have everybody have some kind of encounter with God. It was take them on the process. And so one of the things we would do is the first thing, uh, one of the things we would do is get them praising God that in one session. Then in another session, I would empty them out. So what that means is I would talk about topics of forgiveness, talk about topics of repentance, those sorts of things, getting them to empty themselves out. Because what happens is this, when they empty themselves out of that, I find it so much easier for them to draw in the manifest presence of God afterwards. And then what we would do after that is in the night session, all we would do is just pray for them. And it was incredible what God was doing. What I've learned is this, that if you can take people on a process, you're doing a camp, you're doing a retreat, that sort of thing, you get them praising God, then you empty them out, and then you fill them up, and every single one of them would have some kind of touch and encounter from God. A process helps with all of that. The next thing uh, that helps uh, to facilitate an encounter with God is preaching, is preaching. What you preach is what you get. You would know that as pastors. If you want a culture in your church, then you need to preach it. I had someone say to me once, I said, oh, you know, how come people aren't getting as filled with the Holy Spirit as much as they used to? And I said, because people aren't preaching it. If you don't preach it, you don't actually get it. I remember, and, and I remember one time we were, uh, when I was on staff at our church, um, IC Church, and, and I wasn't on the partial care team, but I sat in the partial care meeting. And, you, you know, those of you guys that have staff meetings, you would know there's always a section of the partial care meeting of people causing us problems that we talk about. And so, and I remember we, would, we talked about one person that was causing some problems, and, and I sat there and I said, are they filled with the Holy Spirit? And then someone there said, no, I don't think they are. I said, oh, okay. And then we had talked about another person. I said, are they filled with the Holy Spirit? And someone, another, one, another one of the other pastors said, actually, no, I don't think they are. Then we talked about a third person. As I told about a third person, I put my hand up and my senior pastor, Joe Gilling, looked at me. She goes, we know what you're going to say. <laughs> and we found out they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. And we realised, where do we actually teach them? And so on the Sunday, we did this thing and they asked me to do it and I preached on the baptism in the Holy Spirit in a Sunday service. The amount of leaders and volunteers that came front that weren't tongue talkers was incredible and the amount and almost every single one of them received that, that gift we receive what we preach just like what ross said to see spiritual gifts in the service we need to preach in it you want to see people give we need to preach on it you want to see people get saved we need to preach on it any kind of culture we get we actually have to preach on it there's a time in the bible where the apostle paul spoke to some believers and he said have you received the holy spirit they said, no, we've just received the baptism of John. And he goes, oh. So he taught them about the Holy Spirit. Then they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What happened? They received it after they were taught it. What we say is what we get. And so 
preaching, if you want to see God move, then preaching is one of those things. And the last one is this. If you want to create an environment of encounter for people to encounter God, then the last thing we need to do is pray for them. And what that means is actually lay hands on them and pray for them. When we pray for people, when we lay our hands on them, it's incredible what God can do. You would have seen, like I have, that you've prayed for someone, you get a word of knowledge about it or something like that, and they start buckling under the presence of God when we lay hands on them. One of the things I've learned over the last few years is that actually, that when we lay, that actually, sometimes when we lay hands on someone, they don't receive anything because they don't know how to. Have you ever noticed that? You've prayed for someone and you can see God wants to touch them or do something in their life, but because they don't know how to receive it, they don't actually receive anything. One of the things that I do when I'm doing an encounter retreat or a camp or that sort of thing, when we do the night when we pray for everybody, I actually do a little teaching on how to receive prayer, what I want you to do when you get prayed for. And so what I thought I would do tonight is, because I kind of raced through all of that, but I actually want to go through that teaching with you tonight. And then after that, myself and Ross and Mary Lynn, we're going to pray for people and pray for the Holy Spirit to touch them. Is that cool? So what I want you to do is turn me in your Bibles to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Mark 5.25. Mark 5.25 and it says this. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? I love this story because here is a story where Jesus heals someone by accident. Where literally he was not even intending to heal that person. Here's this woman, she touched Jesus in such a way that she received something from God. She received the power of God. Now the thing is this, that she wasn't the only person who touched him. But she touched him in such a way that she was able to receive something from God. So I think we can learn from this woman how we can receive something from God when we get prayed for. So tonight when we pray for people, I want you to do what this woman does. And in that way you can maximize the experience of receiving something of the presence of God. The first thing she does is this. The Bible says she quietly came up behind Jesus in the crowd. She didn't draw attention to herself. Chances were she had an illness which meant she wasn't allowed out in public. The first thing that we can do that she did is number one, be quiet. Be quiet. When you get prayed for in that moment, be quiet. You would know there's nothing worse than praying for someone and the whole time they're praying their head off. You lay your hands on them and they're like, oh Jesus, I want you to touch me, I want you to touch me. And you think to yourself, he's trying to. (laughs) But you're so busy giving out that you're finding it impossible to receive. There's an old saying and that is you can't kiss and talk at the same time. 
And in the same way, when you get prayed for, when you're not being prayed for, seek God, worship God, do whatever you want. But when you're getting prayed for in that moment, be in receive mode ready to, and quiet, ready to receive something from God. Don't be busy giving something out. Actually be ready to receive. The second thing that she did, which I want us to do, it says uh, she came behind him in the crowd, touched his garment, for she said, if only, I may t- if only I touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She doesn't say, if I, I'll touch his clothes and I'll see what happens. She actually says, I'll touch his clothes and I'll be made well. The second key to receiving something from God when you get prayed for is have an attitude of expectation. If you have an attitude, if you're sitting back and you're saying, well, if God wants to touch me, he will, chances are he actually won't. But if you have that attitude of expectation, saying at that moment something is going to happen. She wasn't the only one that touched Jesus' garment. It wasn't like his garment was that it wasn't like his garment was an electric fence that everybody touched and got zapped. But she was the only one who touched it with an attitude of expectation, actually believing something was going to happen. When you get prayed for, have an attitude of expectation that something is going to happen. Now, what is going to happen? To be honest, I'm not sure. Because when you pray for the Holy Spirit to touch someone, any number of things can happen uh, when you pray for them. Um, when sometimes when you pray for people, when you get pray, sometimes when you pray for people, they actually fall over. Uh, the Bible says that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying, and a whole army came to take him away to be tried. They come up to him, and the lead soldier comes up to Jesus and says, "Are you Jesus of Nazareth?" And Jesus says, "I am." The Bible says the whole army fell over, and he stood there, waited for him to get back up. And he let them take him away to be tried. Sometimes people fall over. I remember I did this youth camp uh, on the Sunshine Coast, and it was for a church that doesn't do gifts of the Spirit in the service. And I was praying for the, uh, this youth, and it was just one of those meetings where every single one of them fell over, every single one. And then there was a row of kids down the back, and they were kind of like the naughty kids. So the youth pastor brings them up to me. He says, Pastor Bean, would you pray for these kids? And I said, sure, if you want me to. I looked at one of the kids. I could tell he didn't want me to pray for him. And I said, mate, are you okay if I pray for you? He goes, yeah, you can, but I'm just letting you know, I'm not falling over. I said, that's okay. I don't make anybody fall over. I just pray for people and sometimes they fall over. He goes, yeah, 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 whatever. I'm just letting you know, I'm not falling over. (laughs) So I said, okay. So I laid my hand on his head. As I laid my hand on his head, he goes, (laughs) I told you, I'm not falling over. And I said, mate, I don't make anybody fall over. I said, I just pray for him. I pray for him. He fell over. He was out of the pa- out under the power of God for about 45 minutes. <laughs> Remember another time I was doing a conference, and me and Phalene Sparks were speaking at this conference, and on the last night we were standing on the stage and we were giving words of knowledge to people and praying for them. And so we were calling people out and we were praying for some people, and some of them just started falling over. One of my sons was there on the second row. As I'm praying for people, they're falling over. He comes out and stands on the stage, looks at him, and he goes, what's going on here? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, why are they falling over? I said, well, I don't know. I just, you know, God's just touching them. He goes, could you do that to me? And I said, I said, just hold on. I'm praying for some other people. So we're praying for other people. He comes along. He's pulling my trouser leg. He goes, daddy, daddy, could you do that to me? I said, okay, okay. So I stood in there, prayed for him. He goes down. <laughs> then he comes, he comes, gets up and he goes, whoa. He goes, that was real. <laughs> 
Sometimes when you pray for people, they fall over. Sometimes when you pray for people, they spontaneously start speaking in tongues. I've seen it, you've prayed for people, you know, like literally can't speak English. I've had that happen to me once before. I was at a, I was at a meeting and Tim Hall was preaching and he often picks me first because I think he thinks I'm susceptible. And so he called me out and he prayed for me and I went down. And I don't know, when I, and I eventually got up and I sat back in my chair like this. And I just sat there like a stunned mullet the entire service. At the end of the service, some friends of mine came up to me and started talking to me. I opened my mouth, I couldn't speak English. So they look at me and they said, how you doing, Ben? And in my head, I'm like, I'm fine, thanks. But out of my mouth came, (laughs) And then because that was happening, they're looking at each other and they think I don't understand what they're saying. So they start talking around me. They say, oh, look, someone's going to have to drive him home. And I looked at them, I said, no, I'm fine. But out of my mouth came, (laughs) And so eventually they put me in my car. One of my friends drove me home. My wife was at home. She opens the door, looks at me, and she goes, oh, no, not again. (laughs) She goes, bring him in here. I go in. I lie down on my bed. My son, who was two years of age at the time, comes in, gets on the bed, looks at me, pats my face, and goes, dada, dada, dada. And in my head, I'm like, how are you, son? But out of my mouth comes, hoshakaramasutu. He looks at me. He's like, ah! And he just starts crying. (laughs) Sometimes, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you start speaking in other tongues. Sometimes, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, sometimes you start feeling a bit drunk. I've seen that. You know, the Bible says on Acts chapter 2 that the heathen thought the Christians were drunk. Heathens know what drunk looks like. So if they think you look drunk, you're probably acting a little bit drunk. Now, some people get a bit weirded out by that because we know that the Bible says that drunkenness, drunkenness on wine is a sin. And I know my wife had a bit of an issue with that because she comes from an alcoholic family, and, which was, wasn't good for her because every time I got prayed for, I would get as drunk as a skunk in the Holy Ghost. And, but the big difference is this. When you get drunk in the flesh, it gives rise to your flesh. You start doing things you wouldn't otherwise do that you regret later on. But when you get drunk in the Holy Spirit, it gives rise to your spirit. And you don't care what anyone says, but you just start talking about the great things of God and you don't care and your inhibitions are gone, but it's on the good side of things. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes when people get prayed for, that's actually what happens. Sometimes uh, when people get prayed for, they get dreams and visions. The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit uh, comes upon us, we can get dreams and visions. I remember we were doing this retreat, a Bible college retreat, and we prayed for everybody. And down the back there was this guy, a young man, and I, I was standing on stage looking at what was happening. And he's down the back and he's like this, and he had a piece of paper. And then he starts scribbling something down and he puts his head up. He starts scribbling something down and puts his head up. Then he starts, and the next day we did testimonies. And I got up the front. I said, mate, what was going on with you? He goes, it was crazy. He said, every time I closed my eyes, God was giving me sermons. And then I started writing them down every time. A couple of years later, he became a youth pastor. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you get dreams and visions. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you start laughing full of joy. The Bible says in God's presence is fullness of joy. So fullness of joy must mean a little bit of laughing. God does not care about that. It's so funny when that happens, you know. You pray for people and some people laugh. Generally what happens is everyone else in the room gets jealous. 
because those people who are laughing and then people who didn't receive the laughing start thinking it mustn't be from God and they start judging those people. I remember one time at one of our Bible college retreats, we had a group of girls in the corner, about four of them, laughing like hyenas for three hours. (laughs) And some of the other kids were like, oh, you know, I don't know if that is God, you know, I don't know if that's right, yada, yada, yada. The next day we did testimonies and we got everyone, everyone testified and every one of those girls came up and told exactly the same story. They'd all been suffering from depression and suicidal thoughts. But now they're happy. Because the Holy Spirit filled them with joy. My, my personal thing when it comes to ministering in the Holy Spirit, especially to take the pressure off, I just pray for the Holy Spirit to touch them and whatever He does, He does. It may not be the same thing for every person. There are times when people get prayed for, it looks like nothing is happening on the outside, but now there's just a complete peace that has enveloped them, that they've been stressing and worrying and it doesn't look like anything's happening on the outside, but God has touched them. It's the same Holy Spirit but different manifestations of the same Holy Spirit. Tonight when we pray for people, we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to touch you and have an attitude of expectation that when I get prayed for, something is going to happen. And the last thing, the last thing uh, that it says there is this. It says, she came behind him in the crowd, touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. So there must be something important in the fact that she said to herself, if I touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Then she touched his clothes and she was made well. So there's something significant about that for the fact that for that to be in the Bible. What is it? Well, it's, it's a phrase that many of you would have heard of, I guess, over the years from like Oral Roberts and that sort of thing. And it's called a point of contact. And so what that means is this. Very often it's easier for us to receive God if we have a point where we believe it's actually going to happen. If you look in the scripture in the New Testament, post-Pentecost, there's a number of times when this happened. The Bible says that the Apostle Paul prayed for a handkerchief sent it off to someone who was sick. When the handkerchief touched them, then they were healed. Nothing powerful about the handkerchief, but it was a point of contact. They were in agreement. When that touches me, something is going to happen. The Bible says, post-Pentecost, the apostle Peter was walking down the street. As he was walking down the street, people were laying the lame and cripple along the street. When his shadow touched them, they were made well. There is nothing powerful about his shadow. But it was a point of contact, a point of agreement. And it was at that point that something happened. I have found when people struggle to receive something from God, I tell them before we pray for them, say to yourself, like this woman did, at the moment someone comes and touches me and prays for me, that's the moment when God is going to do something. In fact, people of very high faith, people who uh, don't, don't necessarily need that. That's why the Bible says that when this uh, centurion had a, had a servant that was sick, he uh, called for Jesus to heal him. Jesus said, I'll come and pray for him. And he said, no, just say the word and he'll be healed. Jesus said, I've never seen such faith. Why is that? Because he normally has to touch people. Because that's what helps people to receive something from God. Maybe you're here and you're saying, man, I've, I struggle to receive something from God. Well, when you get prayed for, have an attitude of expectation, be in receive mode, And say to yourself, at that moment, something is going to happen. And you will find that might maximize it. And that is what I've learned in my travels. That when I pray for people, some in in some churches where they've never seen uh, the gifts of the Spirit or anything like that, that when they get in receive mode, ready to get prayed for, when you pray for them, so often, more often than almost every single time, God does something and touches their life and they have an encounter with God. 
So what I want you to do now is just stand on your feet. And <clears throat> is it right if we pray for him, Ross? And <clears throat> just lift your hands to heaven. Father, I just thank you for your presence in this place. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just touch people tonight. Well, there's some people coming here with burdens and worries. There's some people here coming in with, without strength to continue on. For some people, they came here as their last stand. But this was like their last stand. They were saying, man, I'm, after this, I think I'm quitting. After this, I think I'm giving up. And I thank you, Lord, you're going to fill them with new strength and new life in this place tonight. Can I get this row to just come forward, step forward? And if I can have some people stand behind them and from, the, from the church here. Father, in Jesus' name. Oh, come Holy Ghost. Come on. I see that God is putting a scalpel in your hand. A scalpel. And there are going to be people coming across your path that are very damaged on the inside. And God is going to give you a scalpel to give you the wisdom to surgically remove the things that have been worrying them. That they've tried other avenues, they've tried other places to be healed and free and it's been unable to happen. And God is going to give you like words of knowledge and words of wisdom like a scalpel that is going to pinpoint the areas of weakness and enable them to be free. Father, in Jesus, come Holy Spirit, what you're wanting to see, you're going to see. Come, Holy Ghost. Come, Holy Ghost. More, Lord. More, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What you're wanting to see, God is going to give you the wisdom to take what you're wanting to see and see it come into the culture and part of your church and community. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus. More, Lord. Ho. Ho. Come, Holy Ghost. Come, Holy Ghost. More, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Ho, 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 Jesus, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see God putting a couple of keys in your hand, and these keys are going to be keys to unlock some complex problems in your life. There are some complex, time-consuming problems that you have yet to resolve, and I see him putting these keys in your hand, and you're going to be able to solve them more easily and quickly than you otherwise thought. Father, I thank you for that. Jesus, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come Holy Ghost. I see a stronger anointing coming on you when you worship. A stronger anointing. It's like you're going to feel it come upon you and you're going to see a lift in the atmosphere in the meeting. People who previously wouldn't praise and worship God are going to start doing it because of the anointing that's coming upon you. He's anointing you for a next level of worship. Jesus. Come on. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.